Hello everyone, and welcome to part three of my series on Dune. Our next destination is the planet Arrakis. According to the book's appendix, it circles around the star Canopus. Now this is the central part of the story, this location. Three hundred thirteen light years from the Atreides and Harkonnen homeworlds. We're currently at the Harkonnen's homeworld, and we'll travel to Canopus. And this is important to the story. It means that traveling to these using interstellar travel is extremely expensive in the novel. In this game simulation, not so much. It's pretty easy. In this series, I go over aspects of the story's beginnings as prep for the Dune 2020 movie coming out. As with the other two installments, I'm going to use visuals from the space simulation game Elite Dangerous to travel to the star systems mentioned in the book. Conflict zone. Well, I'm not staying here long anyway. We have 10 jumps to make, so this is going to take a while. Bye-bye, Harkonnens. It's estimated that the cost to the Harkonnens for sending their armies over to Arrakis would amount to around 50 years worth of spice revenue. This will become important in the story. As a recap of my two previous installments, the Atreides have been ordered to take over the management of the desert planet Arrakis from the Harkonnens by orders from the Emperor. This is likely a trap, and the Atreides know it. They're loading their entire house up into a guild freighter for the trip. The Atreides and Harkonnens are mortal enemies, and the Duke Leto Atreides just declared a vendetta against the Harkonnens. I mentioned that Arrakis, the planet of Dune, was strategically important. I didn't mention why. The reason is that it's the only planet that has the spice substance. Spice is important and extremely valuable. You'll recall that thinking machines were made illegal in this universe. That means that the computations required for faster than light interstellar travel can't be done due to their complexity. It's even beyond the mental computational powers of the Mentats. Therefore, the navigators of the Spacing Guild ingest large quantities of spice, and this allows them to see into the future. By seeing into the future using the spice, they can navigate through multi-dimensional, faster-than-light space-time. This is important too because someone prone to visions of the future, like a Kwisatz Haderach, for example, I mentioned that in a previous installment, will have his visions amplified by the spice. Other properties of the spice is that it promotes health 
and long life in people who ingest it. In large quantities, it's fatally addictive and turns the whites of the eyes blue. And it's usable as a raw material for making plastics and fibers and such. In a very big sense, it's like what oil is in our economy, necessary for travel and for the manufacture of polymers. Written in 1965, the geopolitics of oil weren't that different from today, and going even further back to 1950 with stories like Tintin in the Land of Black Gold, we see oil's importance throughout Frank Herbert's lifetime and into today even. Same goes for the spice in Dune. They call it spice melange. Melange is French for mixture, but I'm not sure to what mixture they're referring. I think the author just liked the sound of that. So I'm refueling at each star as I go. Now who would use such a rare substance as spice simply for making plastics? That would be the people who have abundant access to it, and those are the Fremen. The Fremen are the resident population of the planet Arrakis. They're the descendants of the original Zen-Sunni settlers. In that name, you gain a good insight into Frank Herbert's thinking. The prefix Zen is from Zen-Sunni. It's like Zen from Zen Buddhism. And the suffix Sunni is like the Sunni sect of uh, Muslims. The Fremen are like the Bedouins of Arabia with Paul Atreides being a character similar to Lawrence of Arabia, an outsider with the potential to unite their warring factions into a fighting force. That would kind of make the Harkonnens the Ottoman Turks in a historical context. A factor in Paul's favor is the fact that the Fremen have a prophecy about a Mahdi, an Arabic term for the Messiah, who will arrive along with his Bene Gesserit mother, in this case Paul's mother Jessica is the Bene Gesserit in question, and she'll teach the Fremen some of her techniques like she did for Paul. The Fremen, probably a derivative of free men, are secretive and furtive. However, they're extremely warlike and formidable fighters. Even before arriving to the planet, the Duke Leto Atreides sensed the Fremen's potential as a fighting force against the Harkonnens. The Fremen also have to contend with sandworms, these huge monsters hundreds of meters long with rows of crystalline teeth that eat anything that moves on the desert floor.
The sandworms travel through sand like a whale through water, but can't go where there's rock. I'm pretty sure the monsters in the movie Tremors are directly lifted from the sandworms of Dune. One character I want to specifically point out is the Imperial planetologist Kynes. His role was underplayed in the previous movie and television adaptations of Dune. I won't go too much into spoilers, safe to say that he plays a huge role in preparing the events that take over Paul Atreides' life on Arrakis. I hope the new movie takes that into consideration. If Paul is like the Messiah, then Kynes is like John the Baptist, paving the way for the Mahdi. The character was inspired by Frank Herbert's interest in ecology at the time. And you can look that stuff up on the internet. It's kind of an interesting backstory. Some other characters of note are Gurney Halleck. He's the war master, like a general in charge of the Duke's troops. He's also responsible for security and for training Paul in combat. There's Duncan Idaho, the Atreides swordmaster and the Duke's ambassador to the Fremen. He also trained Paul. And there's Thufur Hawat. He's the Mentat in the Duke's employ and he's the prime strategist and spy master for House Atreides. And there's Dr. Yui who administers to the health of the Duke's family. The novel Dune originated as a series in Analog Magazine. You could find PDF scans of old copies of Analog on the internet. The story was serialized in the issues between December 1963 and February 1964, and then concluded in uh, the issues of January to May 1965. And all these were combined into the novel form published in August read the analog magazine version of Dune to compare it with the book. I'd be curious to see how much editing happened between these versions. Some analog magazine short stories like Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card are remarkably different from the subsequent longer novel form, but I don't know if that's the case for Dune.
I did read some letters to the editor, though, uh, in Analog, that appeared in the months after the serialized Dune. It didn't seem to make a huge splash, and one reader even commented that it wasn't spacey enough for his tastes. What with the events portrayed that could have just as likely happened in medieval Europe. I wonder if the readers at the time realized that they were reading what would someday become one of the best sci-fi novels of all time. I'm looking forward to seeing the 2020 movie. If anyone can pull it off, it'll be Denis Villeneuve. His Arrival movie was fantastic. Here we are at Canopus. The star is huge. Look at the size of this thing. It's a white star, and that matches the description in the book. There's a scene where there's an indoor botanical garden on Arrakis, and it filters out the sun's light to make it uh, from white to yellow. The planet Arrakis is described as the third one here. As you can see, in-game, there isn't a third planet. And that's a bit unfortunate and a bit anticlimactic. I would have liked to have seen what was there. There are tons of fleet carriers, and there's a space station. The planets that are there are really far away. And I guess that makes sense, given the star's size. Players of this game might already know this, but there is a star called Arrakis in-game. Not a planet, but an actual star system called Arrakis. It's way over here. You can see that blue wedge? That's where we are now. And that's where Canopus is. The game has a few Easter eggs like this. For example, there's a star called Terminus. Readers of Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy will be familiar with that name. Also, when I first got this game, I wanted to go see what was in the Horsehead Nebula, since that's where the events of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy unfold. Sadly, we can't go there. There's a permit required to go there, and, and no one knows where to get one, or if such a permit even exists. 
given that it's a UK company that makes this game, maybe they have plans for this system in the vein of a Douglas Adams universe. But I'm just guessing here, I don't know. So you can see permit required for all the stars in the area. That was my episode on the planet Arrakis. In the next installment, we're going to go to Seleucia Secundus, prison planet and source of the Emperor's fearsome Sardaukar fighters.